right. What's going on, y'all? How y'all doing? Welcome back to the Onyx Report. Hope everybody is well. Um, get it in. Oh, okay. We got a few people already in here. Shout out to Bay Blotter News. What's going on, Coffee? Hope I pronounced that properly. What's up, Malika? Don Calypso, what's the word, man? I ain't seen you in a minute. Hope you're good. Um, anyway. I got too many things going on at the same time. There we go. All right. People like to start texting you as soon as the show starts. Anyway, hope everybody is good. Uh, back here at the Onyx Report, where black male justice advocates uplift black men and boys using critical analysis. We're just trying to get it in and here. And uh, I would like to start uh, by kind of thanking my subscribers before I even delve in. I want to get that up front. So let me go ahead and do that. Hold on. Thank you to those of you who've subscribed to the channel. Uh, let's see here. Please remember to like, share, uh, join, subscribe, and donate. You can do so on YouTube at the bottom. Where you hit the subscribe button, hit the bell so you can get all notifications about when I go uh, on, which is pretty much daily now as far as the uh, daily aspect of the Onyx Report. But you can also sign up for membership. You can... Uh, Join for membership right there at the bottom right next to the subscribe button on YouTube. And uh, you can choose from a number of different levels of membership. I appreciate that cash app, Mr. Meech. Hope you're well. Um, so, yeah, please support the channel. Make sure you do uh, share the word. Get it out. Uh, we just reached 17,000. So I'm a little happy about that. We're growing. Um, and I'd say maybe four, four and a half thousand is just from the last month and a half or so. Two months at most. It's been growing pretty quick, so I'm happy to hear that. Um, what's up, Enigma? See you in here. Darian, Christopher, what's going on? Black Steel, Carl, um, and a number of people coming through. AB, what's going on? Queen Kalila, how you doing, lady? Um, so, yeah, we're up there. We're doing it. We're getting it going. Slowly but surely, we are getting the word out. Uh, Brother Ron, what's happening? Okay, so I'm going to delve in a little bit. Um, you know, this is, uh, before I do that, let me just say, this is, uh, you know, this is the week of finals. Uh, we got exams going. I probably have about 500 pages of grading to do with just two out of four classes. So 
it's uh, it's going to be a busy week. So Thursday is the, the date where they turn everything in. So if you see some inconsistency with my daily shows, it might be that. So we'll we'll see how that rolls. What's up, High Scholar? Timothy, what's going on? Um, so yeah, we're working it out. It's one of those weeks, but it's a good week. Things are going well. As a matter of fact, just got some new equipment that I need to install tonight. So uh, we may not be having the after show because y'all know whenever you install something, yeah, last couple times I installed something, it caused some problems. So, you know, we're going <laughs> to, I wasn't going to install it before the show, but I learned that lesson the hard way. So I ain't doing it anyway. Um, let's get into the first public announcement. I just wanted to, this is, this is not really going to be in depth. This one here. I just wanted you to kind of uh, support my boy, Terrain Walker. We've had him on the show. Um, last year, the brothers active on Twitter um, and is, is is quite astute. Um, so shout out to him. I just wanted to, to kind of foreground one of his recent tweets, uh, whereas you can see here, he points out, um, you know, being aware of uh, opportunists and activist clothing who are always outraged over dead black men while having nothing but contempt for living ones. And you can find those kind of people in and outside of the black community as well as uh, from corporate entities all the way down to individuals, uh, even individual entrepreneurs and business owners. So shout out to Terrain for, for putting that kind of word out because that's what we try to do um, and get people thinking, challenging folk, especially as it relates to black men, right? Because we found that black men are a very useful political football. Um, we seem to have a lot of equity. Everybody wants to uh, engage us. Everybody wants to use our names. Everybody wants to use our deaths. Um, but when it comes to actually advocating for black men in a critical way that produces policy that stems the issues that put us in the news, now everybody falls silent. But they're there. When we die, when blood is spilt on the street. Everybody shows out for that one. We have definitely become the sacrificial lambs of this shit. And folks love to come in and eat off our bones. So, I'm a strong advocate of black men owning their own lives. And really, I guess I have to say owning their own deaths at this point. But anyway, that said, uh, make sure you support Brother Terrain. You can find him on Twitter. Uh, as you can see, what's up, Dr. Thunder? Appreciate that. Hope you're well. All right. Um, yeah. So hit the like button on the way in, people. I know my brother, uh, Green Gorilla, is probably still going. I hope he's well. Uh, I hope the show went well. I had to do some preparation. I didn't get to sit in where I like to normally. Uh, but lately, uh, some of my other brothers have been been hitting it lately. Uh, don't forget to check out Dr. Ron Neal, Ronald Neal, uh, his YouTube channel, as well as um, uh, my brother Marcus Aurelius, um, Keep It 100. Uh, you can check his channel out. And also, of course, check out Dr. Thunder and um, uh, look in the Bay Blotter News. Let these brothers, uh, you know, get some of your patronage. You know, share their share their information with people, get the word out. All right. Now this next one, we're only going to do two before we dive into the topic. So, um, in case you're not clear, uh, and you should be if you look behind me, you can tell that I'm very much a geek. I do not apologize about that. I've been in one since I was a little kid. You know, I think since I had my first Muhammad Ali action figure. You know, it is what it is. But um, earlier this week, I did a video on um, male superheroes being raped in the comics. And I talked about some of the data and the statistics around rape 
and how that actually impacts living black men or men in general, but most particularly black men, because there are different circumstances, right? That said, um, you know, it was received well, well enough. And last night there was a more extended conversation in my comments on Facebook. The brothers actually started to share their experiences with being violated. And this, and many instances went all the way back to childhood. You had everything from babysitters to family members, male and female, but really in the course of this discussion, mostly female. Um, and that was mainly because the comic book characters we were talking about had been raped by female characters. And it highlighted a real world phenomenon, you know, uh, made to penetrate, uh, which is a category of sexual assault and rape um, that is very real. It has to do with the ways in which men can be coerced threatened, blackmailed, or, um, you know, physically uh, uh, assaulted and, re and forced to penetrate another person, right? And so men began to write in uh, their experiences, um, things that they, you know, and some of whom hadn't said anything to anybody. You know, I've even had professors who've never told their wives, uh, and they've been married for decades, you know, about these kinds of experiences. So this is something that for many men is very close to the heart. Um, but they've had very few avenues to talk about that and be taken seriously. In many ways, they are ridiculed by both men and women, right? Which is problematic, uh, but it's nonetheless something that we experience. And so these, many of these brothers got to do that. I myself have been a victim of that in childhood. I'm not ashamed to say so. It is what it is. I didn't have anything to do with it. Um, but it nonetheless was something that happened to me. So I like to foreground brothers who have been through this and give them a you know a platform to talk about their experiences. Now, this particular image was one of the contributions by one of the uh, discussants. And this is uh, the superhero Green Arrow. And he, too, was raped. And this was by a character named Shadow. Uh, Shadow or Shadow. I suspect it's Shadow, but I don't know the proper pronunciation. I actually didn't hear about this. So when I did the video where I was talking about male superheroes being raped, I, I mentioned a few. You know, the, the 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 actual video was on the character Invincible, but I talked about a few more like Batman and Nightwing, you know, other characters who had been raped. And uh, one of the brothers came in and said, well, you know, Green Arrow had two. And so he posted this page <clears throat> where it actually takes place. And, um, you know, uh, he's uh, Green Arrow is actually describing what happened. He talked about being dominated, she said, and she forced herself upon him when he was delirious with fever, right? She took advantage of his delirium. And this is not, you know, unlike what I talked about in regard to alcohol or drugs. Uh, when, you know, when you are not in a position to give consent, this can happen, right? Um, and so we talked, you know, we just had a chance to kind of exchange a lot of that last night. What's up, Asar? Good to see you, Mike. What's going on? Um, anyway, it was it was a good discussion, and I hope more will contribute, and I hope you'll contribute even in the comments for this show, but uh, these are the kind of issues that need to be foregrounded, and I want brothers to get used to doing so and be uh, and develop spaces where they can talk about it, because we need to be able to expand out of the one or two ways that we talk about um, sexual assault and rape, especially as it pertains to uh, men. And um, off the the uh you know in the in the depth you know in terms of what they had experienced and you're talking about brothers that are you know still you know in their 50s and 60s and some even in their 70s who are contemplating suicide 
over things that took place when they were in there, you know, before they were were even 10 because they were so traumatic. You know what I mean? And, and, and if you don't get a chance to resolve those issues, other traumatic issues may occur. And it just tends to be the way life works. Um, so that said, it can compound and become even more problematic. Right. So some of these brothers and I were in dialogue last night and uh, some of that con- conversation continues to, the, to today. Shout out to them for being courageous enough to say that aloud, speak it forth and really <clears throat> give others permission to voice it. You know what I mean? And talk about it because uh, it's the kind of stuff that, you know, especially when you're talking about teens and I've worked with teens before, you know, I've had young men that were just seemingly out of control, you know what I mean? In the classroom or whatever, and you couldn't get to them. You couldn't, nobody really knew why they were quick to fight, quick to go through all kinds of things. And then when you, you know, if they trusted you and you can get to the core of it, what you'd find is they had experienced some type of violation. Some of whom had even gone to the police and been laughed out of the precinct. I mean, these are the kind of things that have occurred. I mean, hell, we know what Johnny Depp and Amber Heard, she said, she told them straight up, tell whoever you want, anybody going to believe you. And the reason she could say that was because by and large, we don't take male victimization seriously, especially in regard to sexual assault and rape. Primary narratives are men are bigger and stronger. Well, we're bigger and stronger when it's convenient, right? When it's not convenient, then we got to have conversations about how being bigger and stronger isn't true because there's a woman somewhere in Siberia that can lift 10,000 pounds, therefore, whatever. But that aside, um, you know, our strength or whatever is part of the reason that few uh, take this issue as seriously as they should. But like I try to tell people, if you are not as uh, is Oliver or Green Arrow in this scene, not in a position in a position to consent. If you've been drugged, if you've been, uh, you know, if you had too much alcohol, if you've been poisoned, uh, if you're sick, you know what I mean. These are issues. These are situations that can immediately put you into a vulnerable position. Um, as well as, I mean, you can be threatened, you can be blackmailed, coerced in a variety of ways. There are all kinds of ways, and. And even one of the ones that people find amusing, but is serious nonetheless, you can be sleep raped. You can actually have somebody that, you know, can straddle you while you're still asleep and it can go down. What's up, Officer Faulkner? Hope you're well. Uh, good to see you over here. Right? 95 people watching across Facebook, uh, YouTube and Twitch. So please make sure you like, share, subscribe, join and donate. Support the channel, please. Right? So, you know, I just wanted to throw this log on the fire, too, because had I had it, when I did the show on Invincible, I would have mentioned it as well. And um, as a as a good brother, brother Douglas uh, on Facebook said in one of the comment sections, you know, he said he's both ashamed um, that it takes comic books like this to even you know bring the issue into the mainstream, um, and he's ashamed of the lack of maturity that we as a country have about the issue. But at the same time, um, if this is what works to get the discussion going. Um, then we applaud it. And I fully agree with him. So um, in that regard, if you haven't seen the video on Invincible, I just put it out a couple of days ago and check it out. It's only a few minutes long. Try to keep the daily show a little short and just hit you with some quick points that I think might be relevant and might be of use to you. Right? Um, but this one actually, this particular image you can find on comicbookandbeyond.com. It's entitled Green Arrow Was Raped by Shadow. She forced herself on him when he was feverish. Here's how it happened. You can find that there um, and check that out if you are interested. Yep, Mr. Donnie, that is Oliver Queen. Uh, Okay, Mike said his screen is buffering. Hold on. Yep. 
Okay, no, it's looking okay over here. I'm not sure what's going on. Um, yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, definitely um, let's give brothers the uh, permission to talk about what they've been through and really uh, let other people even know. And one of the, because one of the issues that hits a lot of people, what's up, Barry, um, is that especially when you're, especially for young men, you know what I mean? Even as a young man, they were starting to come out with movies in the 70s about women who had been raped and whatnot. And they started to give us a visual of that, you know, whether it was somebody who slipped into your house, whether it was uh, somebody chasing a woman down an alley in the 80s, date rape became, I think it was 80s, early 90s, date rape became uh, a popular issue. So somebody who took you on a date, they always showed you these images of a male, you know, taking a female on a date. They might even be teenagers. And then all of a sudden he expected sex and how dare he and all this kind of stuff. But they never really entertain how men experience it. So most of us grew, grew up thinking that we didn't, right? And so when it tends to happen to young men who've never even heard of it, and at most, they may have even only heard about it as a joke or, you know, like when you, you, when you hear people talk about prison rape, it's often talked about as a joke. Now, that ain't a joke. But at the end of the day, that's often the only way people hear about it. So even when young men experience it, uh, particularly from women, you know, that, that are only a few years older, um, they have no frame of reference at times. And so they don't even know how to process it, let alone to identify it as a violation. Right. And, and, and even though it may cause the same types of trauma that such things, you know, cause any victim of rape or sexual assault, they often don't know how to process it, right? So that's one of those things that we definitely have to be more forthright about letting our young men know that this exists, right? So hopefully you will, uh, you'll take it seriously. And, um, and even if you have to use animated films or whatnot to start a discussion, I'm, I'm for it. You know what I mean? I, I show it. You, know, you want to deal with Batman finding out he has a new son who becomes Robin. Um, but the the origin of that Robin is him being drugged and raped by Talia. Talia is, is Rachel Ghoul's uh, daughter. Um, you know, those are the kind of scenarios that I have no problem using to generate a conversation with young men about what can happen. Um, you know, so anyway, what's up, Nagone? Hope you're good, man. Ain't seen you in a minute. All right. So let me move on. All right. So make sure you guys support the Institute for Black Male Studies. You can go to instituteforblackmalestudies.com. You can purchase merchandise or you can click on store and watch free video interviews as well as, um, you know, uh, pick up a webinar or a course uh, that you can take on in Black Male Studies if you're at all interested. So check out instituteforblackmalestudies.com uh, and support that as well. All right. So y'all know what it is. Sexless relationships, part two, men dealing with menopausal partners. Now I'm going to be talking about menopause, or it really, you know, men dealing with it uh, in relationships, but it's not limited to that. And I will be opening it up later for people to come come in uh, share their experiences or the experiences of those they know. Um, I would say, you know, don't put anybody's name out there. I would definitely say be respectful. I'm not bashing women in this, you know, in this whole issue at all. It's not about that. It's really about foregrounding what men, particularly black men, have to deal with in particular context. Because you'll find whenever you look up these kind of issues, it's understandably focused on women. It is what it is. You know, uh, so when that happens, 
you tend to find all the data or all the, the discussion, I should say, going toward what women experience. And there's not a lot of discussion about what men experience when they're in these relationships with women they care for. Um, ironically enough, if you look up ED, you know, you, aside from the, you know, kind of scientific breakdown and the medication available, a lot of times you'll hear uh, women talking about how they have to experience it and what they can do and how they feel about it. But still not as much discussion as you would think around men talking about their own experiences with it, you know, and what they feel. So, uh, or what they can do for that matter. It's not even just about feelings. So that said, you know, tonight we're going to deal with sexless relationships in general. I'm going to talk about situations in regard to men with menopausal partners. But when you call in or when you come in, it doesn't necessarily have to be limited to menopausal partners if you want to contribute to the dialogue. Um, but y'all rem remember a few months ago, I did part one with Dr. Brandon Gamble, and we talked about the experiences many men have had with this issue and how difficult it can be um, to be taken seriously. So let me get to the core of it. So that, that really what I wanted to start out just to say was the focus is not women, however, you know. So as much as, you know, there may be a temptation for some people to come in here and center women's experiences with menopause, there are plenty of places for that. That's not what this is. This is I'm going to, of course, give an overall overview of what menopause is, but the core you know, theme of the discussion is not, it's not really about women's experiences with menopause. It's about men's experiences with their partners dealing with menopause. Right. So let's be clear about that. You know, I am unapologetically foregrounding black men. So it's not an accident. I'm not tripping into it. It's not a product of ignorance about how difficult this can be for women. Not at all. It's just about how men have to grapple with this and what it tends to mean for many of them. Right. <clears throat> All right. So that said, um, now where did this come from? You know, how did this subject come about? Well, it actually came about from two discussions I had in the last few weeks. Right. First discussion I had uh, was uh, was with a, a, a an associate of mine, woman, real cool people. hadn't talked to her in a while, probably a good few years. And, um, you know, she reached out to me. We started, we, you know, started talking, seeing where we were, catching up on life, you know. And, uh, you know, I asked her how her relationships was going. And she was saying, well, she's in one, but it's about to be over. So well, why, you know, why over? You know, she said, well, it's not really going well. He doesn't really listen. He doesn't take, you know, he doesn't participate with me in the things I like to do. He doesn't want to have conversations. And so, you know, we just kind of talked about that for a while. And. Then she mentioned something a little offhand that caught me. She said, you know, um, well, actually, it was a more of a matter of what she didn't mention. She didn't mention anything in regard to intimacy. So I was like, well, you know, how's the sex going? She was like, oh, no, no you, don't. you know, we haven't done that. But it was her response. It was almost a kind of disgust at the thought. And I was like, that's a little strange. I mean, I can see if this was a, you know, one night, one time date and he was bad in bed, maybe. But this is an ongoing relationship. So why would that disgust her? And when I started to kind of ask her questions, the long and short of it was it had not crossed her mind. And she couldn't remember the last time it had. And I said, well, 
you know, these relationship problems. How long have you been having them? She said, oh, for about five or six months. I said, have you had sex in that time? She said, no. I said, why? She said, I don't know. I haven't even thought about it. I'm not even interested in it. It hasn't even crossed my mind. And I said, well, have you discussed that with him? She said, no. Okay. Um, so let me ask you a question. How old are you? You know, she told me her age. She was... I think she's a early for, uh, late 40s, early 50s. And uh, I said, you ever considered that you may have started menopause? What? Oh, I hadn't even thought about it. I am. And I understand why. You know what I mean? I mean, just uh, on a casual level, I mean, when a woman starts her period, it's a little evident. It's right there. You know, bam. A lot of women talk about waking up one morning and right there in the middle of the bed. It is what it is. Menopause, you know, can sneak up on her. So she hadn't even thought about it. She lost her sexual drive and it didn't even cross her mind. And so when we went back to discussing the relationship with her man, it hadn't crossed her mind that that might be a source of frustration from him, for him. And that that may have had something to do with the difficulty. So when we got back to the issue, what's up, Artisan? Hope you're well. Ian, what's going on? Um, when we got back to the discussion about the difficulties with him, one of the things she had started the conversation with was about how they didn't talk anymore or how he didn't want to participate in long discussions about documentaries and things in the news. And I said, well, that kind of casts a new light on that issue, because if you want to have three, four five hour conversations about what took place in the news this last few weeks and you've kind of cut off all intimacy and not even thought about it, let alone talk to him about it. Maybe the issue ain't conversations. And she and she kind of paused and she said, you know, I never thought about that. But we started, you know, I, you know, I told her about some of the things I've seen other women do. I said, you might want to go speak to a doctor, look into hormone therapy, whatever. She said, oh, wow. OK, I hadn't thought about it. But that was one of the things that got me thinking. I was like, OK, I'm hearing this story from her perspective. And the story is how poor a partner he is. But when you factor that component in. It might not be that he's a poor partner. It might simply be that you've shut down an entire central core part of the relationship and not discussed it with him. He doesn't know why. You haven't even thought about why. So from his vantage point, vantage point, you're just withholding sex, which was something that they had been having quite regularly, from what I understand. Right. So that was the first conversation. And I thought it was interesting, but I, you know, I was I left it there. You know. She hadn't been having, you know, the more obvious signs of it yet, but she was right in that age range and she had never really experienced the total loss of sex drive. So, you know, hopefully she's looking out for that and looking into it, so on and so forth. But the second conversation was uh, with uh, now I've had a number of men write me. This one brother wrote me about his experience. He's been married now for just over about 20 years. Right? And um he was explaining to me that over the last 20 years, sex has been a rarity in their relationship anyway. Now, I don't necessarily know why people send me all these things. I'm not a sex expert. I don't claim to be I'm not a therapist, but I do, you know, want to support black men, you know, talking about the issues they grapple with, even if people don't think they should. You know, maybe that's why they send them to me. But this brother was saying sex was pretty rare in their relationship anyway for years. And it's been all kinds of difficult for him to grapple with. And he's been trying to, you know, but she was already pretty, pretty withdrawn 
and um, they've gone to counseling. And one of the things I noticed just right off when I asked him about counseling and what it did, what it really seemed to do was teach him how to empathize with her. That was about all he could do. They went because the intimacy was an issue. Lack of sex on his part was a major issue. And, you know, this was, of course, a female therapist. The therapist and the wife made the issue about how she feels and what's going on with her. And they kind of pressured him into prioritizing her feelings. And at no point did they get around to the issue that brought them there, which was his frustration about the lack of intimacy and sex in the marriage. So what he had actually learned how to do when he was talking to me about it was prioritize how she felt. And I had to keep stopping him and say, look, man, I don't want to hear that again. I've already heard it. How do you feel? And he had trouble articulating it. Why? Because one of the things that they did is they taught him how to feel guilty. How to feel guilty about having needs, about having uh, things he wanted to do that didn't necessarily fit what she was interested in, right? So that said, having, you know, I was really trying to, I was really kind of forcing him to spit out his frustration because he'd learned to sit on it, to, to swallow it, to hide it as if it didn't exist. And I found that interesting. This is therapy. So be careful. Therapy is important. I find therapy to be very useful, especially if, the right, if you're the right counselor. But beware, especially if you're in a relationship counseling kind of setup. And I've talked about this before. Uh, if you're in a situation where you're in that kind of dynamic and both the counselor and the wife you know, focus solely on forcing you to prioritize her needs and feelings and somehow yours become invisible. That's ridiculous. Don't let it happen. Now, if there's a stage in the therapy session where that's taking place, nothing wrong with that. But if that's the primary mode of it, it's a problem. And when you look at the Duluth model and how it's been taught for years in terms of prioritizing this idea that men are inherently patriarchs and problematic and that even when female abusers initiate abuse, it's really in some kind of response to patriarchy. This is how many therapists and counselors are trained. And so you have to be able to challenge that and advocate for yourself if you are in that position. And be un unapologetic about making sure that your needs are going to be addressed. And I just want to put that out there. And I noticed that in him. You know what I mean? He he struggled with trying to tell me what he was going through. But when he finally got it out, he was like, yes. I said, well, has anything changed in terms of intimacy and sex after the last couple of years of therapy? He said, no. I said, well, I disagree. He said, why? I said, well, it sounds to me like the one thing that's changed is you've learned to talk about it differently. You know, but that's the first part that got to me. But when he kept going. Alongside this issue of there being a lack of intimacy. I asked her age. He said, well, you know, uh, late 40s. I said, uh, have you considered what may happen when she officially hits menopause, if she hasn't already? And he said, what do you mean? I said, well, um, you know, one of the things that can take place with menopause is a, a drop in sexual interest, right? Sex drive. He was like, are you serious? Yeah. So if you're already having sex three or four times a year, and that's been over the course of, say, 20 years, and she may go, you know, and she hasn't even hit menopause yet, some very real issues there. Now, the brother was more concerned about, you know, his kids. You know, he wanted his kids to see what he saw growing up, two parents who loved each other, 
statistically, we know that that tends to work best for the well-being of the kids. So I, you know, I understood what he was doing and why. But when it came to, you know, letting his spouse know this is what he needs, it was always tertiary. You know, it was always the last thought of, you know, um, and that was a problem. They argued about it. They went to counseling. They did all kinds of things. And when I asked him, what is he going to do when and if she hits menopause, if she hasn't already, he kind of, he kind of just kind of slumped. You know, he was just like, man, I hadn't even, hadn't even processed that. You know, so that's one of the kind of things that hit uh, him about this whole issue. If that's going on and it hasn't even, she hasn't even hit it yet, then what? Right. But just for the sake of clarity, let me go over a couple things that we know we're talking about. Now, first and foremost, the goals I have in this conversation are not to denounce and dismiss women, especially if they're going through menopause. It's not my goal. It is. My goal is to affirm men's needs and thoughts and, and, and when they're in a sexless context. That's the first thing. I want to affirm that their issues are valid. So you, sir, if you are listening to me and you are going through this, that's the first thing I want you to know. Do not invalidate what you're experiencing because you are shamed into doing so. No. Lack of intimacy is a valid issue for anybody. And if it's damn sure valid for women, why wouldn't it be valid for you? That's the first thing. Second thing is affirm the validity uh, overall of your experiences, even in therapy. And I said that earlier. So those are the things I'm really looking to do in this conversation. And as you guys come up on the screen, I want you to keep that in mind. This is about, you know, really foregrounding. And I've been using that word a lot tonight, tonight for a reason. This is about foregrounding your experiences and your responses to it. Now, your frustration is justified. Now, that doesn't mean that you need to just, you know, wholesale blast it out on her. It's not about that. It's not about yelling at her. It's not about any of that. But it is to say that if you are frustrated and you're dealing with this, you're justified in being frustrated. You shouldn't be shamed into acting like you're not. No. Because trust me, if you were withholding sex and it was a problem for her, from therapist to pop culture, everybody would agree you're hurting her. You're, you're causing her dismay. It's unfair. We have no problem foregrounding women's issues. We really don't. Men have been kind of shamed into being quiet. Yeah, Nagone, three to four times a year. Yeah, it happens. Trust me. Um, it's me, C. What's going on? Good to see you in here. Right? Black Uru. See you in here. What's going on? Mogul. Right? So, um, I'm going to get a couple things up here just to be clear. So when we talk about menopause, right, what is it? Um, and just roughly speaking, just so we're on the same page, uh, menopause is the time in women's lives when menstrual periods stop permanently and they are no longer able to bear children. Menopause typically occurs between 49 and 52 years of age. Medical professionals often define menopause as having occurred when a woman has not had any menstrual bleeding for a year. It may also be defined by a decrease in hormone production by the ovaries. Uh, in those who have had surgery to remove their uterus but still have ovaries, menopause may be considered to have occurred at the time of the surgery or when their hormone levels fail. Uh, following the removal of the uterus, symptoms uh, typically occur earlier at an average of 45 years of age. Let's get some of this out here. Um, let me see. In fact, um, there's some issues that uh, some that suggest it can start as early as 20 when a woman's menstrual cycle gradually shortens until perimenopause, uh, which basically refers to 
um, menopause transition years before the date of the final episode of Flow. According to the North American Menopausal Society, this transition can last uh, for four to eight years, right? Uh, they basically describe, describe it as a six to 10 year phase ending 12 months after the last menstrual period. Um, and they also suggest, my cursor over here, um, that, let me see, estrogen levels average about 20 to 30% higher than during um, pre-menopause, uh, often with uh, wide fluctuations. These fluctuations cause many of the physical changes during perimenopause as well as menopause, especially during uh, the last one to two years of perimenopause, that is basically before menopause. Some of the changes are hot flashes, night sweats, difficulty sleeping, mood swings, vaginal dryness or atrophy, incontinence, uh, osteoporosis, and heart disease. During this period, fertility diminishes, but is not considered to reach zero until the official date uh, of menopause. The official date is determined retroactively once 12 months have passed after the last appearance of the menstrual cycle. So that's basically what we're dealing with, right? Irregular periods, hot flashes, night sweats, sleep problems, urinary bladder infections, mood changes, weaker bones or osteoporosis, and vaginal changes, especially in regard to dryness. Now, why is that important? Because that can, that can be one of the major deterrents in terms of sex, and many women report also having a lower sex drive. Now, men grappling with that while in a relationship, particularly, you know, a monogamous one might even be a marriage and tend to be a very sensitive issue, obviously. Um, hopefully you've talked about it with your partner, but that can be pretty difficult to do sometimes, especially when you talk about the sensitivity of it, the moodiness of it, but also, you know, the realization for some women that they'll never be able to give birth. This is an interesting one because you're also talking about women who don't necessarily, you know, you may be talking to a woman that doesn't have any plans to ever give birth again. She doesn't really want to, but just the idea that she can't can be a whole nother issue unto itself, right? So that said, right, this can tend to be a pretty serious, you know, kind of issue. But how do men dealing with this? How do men in relationships like that deal with it, especially if they are still quite sexual? Well, before, when we had this discussion on sexless marriages, I was saying that when I had experienced that, I had only come to just a couple, just really like three main conclusions that, you know, you can act like nothing's changed, even though it has. And I've seen men do this. You know, you act like your relationships are the same as they always have been, even though there's no intimacy. Right. You can do that for years and hopefully one day convince yourself that it doesn't matter. Right. Um, hold on one second. Let's see. Trying to fix this issue here. Okay, there we go. All right. So um, you can act like nothing's wrong, bury your head in the sand, right? You can also um, you can cheat, or you can get a divorce. Those were the three issues that I came to, um, and it took me a long time. But there is a fourth, and that fourth is you can also make an agreement. That is an option, right? Uh, one of the things we've heard uh, popularized in mainstream uh, YouTube, as you will, uh, especially coming out of Kevin Samuel's camp, is that, uh, you know, high value men don't cheat. They exercise options. Well, the offshoot of that is that, in other words, you can negotiate a contract. Right. And this is one of the things I talked to my friend about, or I should say, you know, the, the, the associate who wrote in. 
he's written in enough. I'd like to call him a friend, but I'm real particular about that word. You know, that's it. Uh, when I talked to my associate about this, you know, it's one of the things I did let him know. You can you can talk about a contract if need be. Because if if, if sex is completely off the table, if especially as it did with the first discussion, where it was almost a disgusting idea. If she's at that kind of place and you're very much at the opposite, you might have to negotiate. Might have to be a new arrangement altogether. And I need you to be, um, you know, I would say definitely give her some room <laughs> to go through it. I wouldn't hit her with it the first day. But if it becomes something where therapy doesn't help, you know, even upon going to different therapists, and it's not something she's interested in changing, she's not interested in getting therapy herself or hormone therapy, therapy for that matter. She's not interested in doing anything, diet, exercise, nothing. If she's really not interested in changing it, you might have to negotiate something a little different and be unapologetic in doing so. But again, that's something that black men have, have been taught not to do. Advocate for your own issues, needs, concerns, so on and so forth. We've been told that the best way to respond is to be shamed and pretty much wait for her to tell you what your options are. Now, look, whatever works for you, I'm not really going to oppose that. I'm not going to push you on it. I'm simply going to say, um, consider advocating for yourself. Ah, uh, shoot. I'm trying to get the screen unstuck. Apologize. Um, yeah, I think we're making some headway now. Ah, uh, no, we're not. Come on now. And I even installed the new stuff yet for to be in these kind of problems. Ah, uh, I apologize. Almost there, I think. Ah, man, there we go. Looks like we should be good now. All right. All right. So anyway, negotiating the option. I'm going to drop the link into the discussion. Please make sure that uh, you keep the language clean, that you're respectful, especially of other, not just the women, but of other men's situations, right? And that you are clear. Now you can talk about yourself. You can talk about others that you're aware of who've gone through this, even especially, you know, even if it's celebrities, but what are some of the options that you're aware of? And what have you seen other men do to navigate these situations, right? Um, all right, so it should be there. Wait for that to come through. Some of this stuff over here. Now, when I looked up this whole issue, right, online, one of the things I found was a number of articles telling men how to be emotionally supportive. You know, and it is what it is, right? They were talking about, you know, how to deal with mood swings, um, you know, being sensitive to her body changing. Uh, talking things out, um, you know, and, and and actually, it's not directly connected, but we've we've heard the same thing about things like abortion, right? She gets pregnant, talk to her, she, you know, but it's her body; she does whatever she wants. Again, keep finding men placed in a position where they are implicated by things that are going on, but their own experiences have to be hidden; they have to be sidelined, um, and they have to be quiet about it, and they're not allowed to feel or experience what they feel or experience. And it's ridiculous. At some point, we as men have to learn how to be able to talk about the issues that we experience as we experience them and not flinch, not be embarrassed. It's one of the things that I really want brothers to be able to start doing. So I invite you to come on up 
um, and do so if you so will. Now, the gentleman that I, you know, I was writing back and forth with, when I shared with him uh, this question about whether or not his wife was going through that, like I said, it, it, it kind of depressed him a little bit because I think there was this idea that at some point it would change. At some point, things would kind of open up. And the last thing he wanted to do was leave. He really didn't want to leave, um, but that was on the table um, and it was the only option he could think of. Okay, here we go. Hold on. Got my boy Black Uru. How you doing, man? Can you hey, Dr. Johnson. Thanks for having me up. Hey, man. So, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm uh, enjoying your topic. I think it's a very important issue for men, uh, especially as, as we move along in life. <laughs> so to speak, to consider, especially if we intend to, well, I don't know how much of that's going on today, but uh, intend to commit our lives uh, to women. Uh, it is definitely an issue that you have to be prepared or you should prepare yourself to deal with. So I'm, I'm, I appreciate you presenting this uh, discussion topic today, and I hope it encourages other men to look a little deeper at the issue and especially at their selves in relation Right. And 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 I'm 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 glad you came up, man. I appreciate it because I think some brothers ran for the hills when they, they weren't about to come up and talk about it openly. But you know, you know, sometimes in the manosphere we we have these conversations that seem to fixate around 21 year old girls, and I'm like, everybody ain't with a 21 year old girl. There are other issues on the table that I think men need to talk about. And um, you know, if you've dealt with women over 40. This is one of those issues. Now, I do want to shout out Sandra Jean. She made a point that is relevant. Menopause is different for every woman. So you may not be dealing with these issues with the person you're with. And I hope you aren't, to be honest with you. Mm. But for men that are, any thoughts about that, Uru? Well, I, you know, I think that I think one of the things, you know, most men uh, are very empathetic to their wives on, mm -hmm. on this issue. You know, mm -hmm. most men, you know, I mean, you know, maybe we we observe things go down with our mothers or other women we know and love and, and appreciate. And we've seen the impact, the influence of the, of the change in life on women. So it's not something that I think most men do not understand and empathize mm -hmm. with. Right. I think what oft, I think the biggest issue for most men in, in this issue is, and I think you touched on it earlier, the 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 lack of empathy on the part of the women mm. with respect to to the importance of sex to men. Yes. And, and I think that's very hurtful to yeah. men. Yeah. Uh, I, I think not just because of just the not having sex itself, which is definitely a big deal, but just the almost appear not to even care. Yes. You know, about the importance of the men. And I think that's the thing that will really enrage men mm -hmm. and, and push them in the direction of, of doing things that are that can become even more problematic. Well, especially if you walk into a therapy session um, with a counselor and both the counselor and your woman are looking at you like you should stop caring about this. <laughs> you shouldn't care about sex anymore because of what I'm going through. That's a difficult, you know, because you're not supposed to say anything, but that's difficult. That's a difficult thing to navigate, you know, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it, well, it, oh, go ahead. Well, that's why I say, I mean, you know, on, on a certain level as a man, 
you know, you, you have to adopt a, a fairly uh, mercenary approach to your own personal sexual life, even exclusive of the woman. Now, obviously, if you're married to a woman, you're in this partnership, so to speak. But yeah. I, I, I won't surrender my, my sexual desire to any human being, regardless yeah. of my marital status or investment in life or whatever. And I say this as a married man, been married 30 years. Yeah. You know, I, I have not, I did not surrender that to my wife. I would not surrender that to her or any other woman. Yeah. And, and, you know, not to the extent that I have the actual physical mental and emotional capability to continue to engage that mm -hmm. way. So, I mean, you have to, to some degree, I think, separate that your sexual interests, even from them in that regard. And too mm -hmm. often men invest themselves so, so deeply into the relationship because we're often compelled to do such and that yeah. becomes a part of it. And so then you get into a situation like with a, with a counselor or whatever, and, and they're presuming that you should already understand and empathize or they're attempting to compel you to understand and empathize and sympathize with the fact that you're starving. Yeah. You're starving. Yeah. And, and you're supposed to understand and appreciate that and empathize with the fact that you are starving. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And you're right when you say it's not limited to sex. You're talking about intimacy and affection. So, you know, like I said, with the first phone call, I, you know, I was talking about. Interaction was just an afterthought for her, and I'm not blaming her. You know what I mean? It was just what she—that's just you know she transitioned into that and didn't even know it. You know what I mean? But at the end of the day, it just you know it was just gone. And I was trying to get her to understand, if not emotionally, at least logically, you can't remove a whole portion of a relationship and then expect things to stay the same. You know, it doesn't well, work. I think one of the casualties of, of well, look, traditionally, I mean, let's let's be honest. Traditionally, you know, sex was was a wifely duty mm. of a woman. Mm. You know, it, it was not a negotiated. It, yeah. it was not something that was primarily dictated by the emotions of a woman. Frankly, it was her part of the deal of the relationship. The man makes the investment in the resources and protection, et cetera. The woman mm -hmm. makes an investment in her beauty, her reproductive capability and her actual sexual availability. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem is, is that the deal for her has changed, but the expectations of the man are the same. And mm -hmm. her deal has changed such that her, her sexual availability is not necessarily a, a critical or deemed to be a critical element or necessity yeah. of maintaining that relationship so mm -hmm. the, so because of that you got men operating living behaving in such a way and, and they're doing so with this expectation of something that on her end no longer necessarily exists and that's why they can be rather dismissive yeah. uh, towards you on that notion because it's some from their perspective it's not something there should be entirely required to do or be to begin with right now you're hitting on a, a very interesting double standard, especially in regard to marriage, because the idea that uh, sex is no longer a wifely duty, obviously cooking and cleaning, none of those things are where we've gotten to. In my assessment is a period where women have no constraints or responsibilities 
when we even conceptualize marriage, but men still do. Protecting and providing those kind of things are still kind of etched in stone. And you, you, I mean, you can stop doing it if you want to, but she'll leave. Um, but you know, in terms of what you expect from her, she can, she has no rules. She can be full-time worker. She can be part-time. She could not work. She can have kids. She cannot want to have kids. She can want to adopt. She can do, she can want pets. It doesn't really, you know, she's free. She's like the snowflake that can have whatever she conceptualizes and you really can't say much, but whatever you lay on the table as something that's required in the relationship. Now, all of a sudden there's a problem with the word required. You know what I mean? There's a problem with obligation. There's a, a problem with duty. There really is no role that men can ask for or expect, I should say, in a marriage, especially that's considered politically correct. Uh, her options are open for evaluation at her whim. Your options are still really stuck in the 1950s. You know, have you had any experience with this or what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, you know, I, I, you know I'm going to say this, Doc, and, you know, <laughs> um, I, I, I genuinely believe, you know, that a, a wife should, uh, I think the, the dread of the possibility of a man stepping out should exist within a marriage. Okay. I genuinely believe that. Okay. I believe that a woman should, to some degree, be on notice of the possibility of a of a man taking another woman, mm. ideally a younger, more attractive woman. Okay. Now, I'm not asserting that he should do that or he must do that. I think mm. probably in most cases he should not for an assortment of reasons. But I do think that fear should be there. <laughs> because I do, I do believe to a large extent, women operate on the premise of power and fear, mm. especially with respect to, to sex, because they know that a good deal of their power and leverage resides in that area. Oh, and man. so if you, if, if you can, to some degree, uh, give some uncertainty in mm. that area, then mm. you increase the motivation for them to continue to retain their position. If they get too comfortable in that area, then then they they will become uh, dismissive of the importance of it. Now, we're also at a point, though, where, you know, and I've been hearing this for years, where sex is kind of doled out as like a treat for a pet. You, have, you, have you seen this? Where, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm serious. I've seen older women sit around and talk about it. Well, he did the yard today. You know what I mean? And I'm like, Oh my God. I mean, you're at this point where it's kind of doled out to you based on your behavior and, and withdrawn at whim. Uh, so you can see there's a power dynamic when it comes to this that people don't want to talk about openly. But yet again, it places men in a very vulnerable position in regard to relation long term, long term relationships and marriages. You know what I mean? Um, so I hear what you say in terms of that being on the table, um, you know, because it, it, it doesn't seem to be a lot of leeway for what men are quote unquote allowed to do in a relationship. And if you leave it up to her to define, you pretty much got to deal with whatever's thrown at you. Uh, appreciate the support, Julian. Also, uh, Mogul, appreciate the cash app. Thank you. Any thoughts about One that? Day, Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, there, there is to some degree uh, a, a transactional element that, that mm -hmm. somewhat evolves within a relationship within a sexual relationship uh, where it 
it could be done in such a way in which it's a a source of entertainment both for the mm-hmm. men and the woman so it's not necessarily a bad thing it's mm-hmm. only though when it becomes this sort of exclusive and at times almost even sort of coercive sort of thing between the man and the woman it, it, because you know you could <laughs> you know it, it could be the kind of thing well you know for, for to to sort of boost uh the relationship in some regarding some sort of anniversary or some sort of special event and you know a guy does so much and he takes he took me here and that sort of thing so it's not necessarily a bad thing but when it's the only or or the primary means of sexual uh activity between a man and a woman then yet yeah, it has devolved into a a control mechanism mm-hmm. in their relationship and mm-hmm. it'll only get worse for the man because the woman will progressively make it more difficult for the man to to fulfill his end in order to to get that you know the trinket of yeah. sex so so yeah if it becomes a pr- sole or primary way by which they interact sexually it will definitely be a problem and 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 ultimately it will it will go from several times a week to once a week to several times a month to once a month that yeah. sort of thing where where he's doing so much to get sex every couple of months Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, and this is a this is a this is a sensitive one because I'm not I'm not talking about guys who just met somebody or is in kind of an open thing or you kind of got a girl you've been seeing each other for maybe a year or two. I'm talking about men who may even have been married for decades. They may have kids. They may have grandkids. And we know in this era, you know, when I was a kid, you know, everybody I saw who had grandkids were in their 60s and whatnot, but. You can have grandkids in your forties these days, so it's not—it's not necessarily just an age thing. But I'm talking to men or about men who've been in relationships for years who really don't want to leave their wives. They don't want to not be with them, um, and they have families built around their relationship. How then does a man in that position, with grandkids, you know what I mean, deal with this kind of issue where you know his wife just shuts down? Well, there's no, I don't, in that situation, I don't believe, I, I, you know, look, I do believe at some point you, you, you a man, and that's why I said earlier, you must put your sexual desire, your, your sexual needs exclusive and sometimes over and above all else, which mm-hmm. means that if there is some risk of you possibly blowing up that relationship, so be it. Because at some point you, you are a man, you are a virile sexual yeah. being part mm-hmm. of your desire your core to to succeed to prevail yeah. to conquer is mm-hmm. very much inextricably linked to your sexual desire wow. and in your in your sexual needs so you you can't allow the burdens of life and obligations to be to besot you so that they become more important than that so and that's why i said earlier I think you have to, with a wife, with a woman, wife, you have to maintain some degree of fear and dread of the possibility of you stepping out. So you, so things don't digress to that point in which she gets so comfortable and you become so, you become so productively a eunuch. You become this ultra productive eunuch, you know, or, or, uh, con- or, uh, or uh, yeah, eunuch that, uh, all perception of you is such that you're you're so 
comfortable and great at doing all these things mm-hmm. and they have no connection at, at all to you yourself being your own sexual being, ha- having your own sexual desire. So I, yeah. you have to maintain that sense of dread mm-hmm. over the course of that relationship. You right. need to be in situations where your wife with some regularity, I believe, see and witness women compliment you. Yeah. You know, that's a very important thing. Yeah. You 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 right. have to your wife have to fear the possibility of one of her skankier friends trying to get with you. I genuinely believe that. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I <laughs> because you you will be surprised at how that will come up during intimate times. Mm. That mm. will come up. That will that will be a source of inspiration towards her being more sexually aggressive towards you that, that, that fear, that sense of sexual competition within mm-hmm. women is mm-hmm. very important. And, and I think men, black men and other men don't understand and appreciate the importance of that. I, I think it's a, I think it's even a, a particularly great idea for a black man to, for his wife to, think that some white women is trying to get at him. I believe that's a, I, I, I mean, I'm look, I, I view sex to be to some degree a gladiator sort of situation. <laughs> it's a competition situation, both between you and, and your mate, but then also you as a entity out in the world. Mm-hmm. And you're either being chose and she's being chose or not, she's not being chosen, you're not being chosen. All those things are going to impact your relationship with each other. They are, you know, and I'll be honest with you. Some of the, some of the best times I had were when my wife thought I was cheating. <laughs> I have to be honest. <laughs> I have to be honest. <laughs> Wish you thought I was cheating. <laughs> you know, especially when she thought I was cheating with a white woman. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I mean, look, I, I know, you know, this this may sound. Um, you, I, I know we want to present this to settle this issue or deal with this issue in a somewhat clean way, sanit- sanitized way. But 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 this is dirty business, dark. And, and it's really dirty business over the course of decades. Yes, sir. You know, you're talking about trying to maintain something over decades. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta have these moments where you go into a, a, some meeting with some strangers, and 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 one of the women are hitting are hitting on you, and your wife noticed that that one of the women are hit, hitting on you, and you don't even let it face you. You're just like yeah, yeah. or or or. <laughs> You or you flirt with that other woman just enough, right? <laughs> just enough, and your wife see just enough of it. <laughs> I mean, it's a it's a game, it's a game. You know, it, it really is. It's not. You can't play fair with them. On the, on, you cannot play fair with women on the issue of sex. You can't. Well, and, not- and not maintain it. And not maintain it. But I so you, I can see your wife asking you, "Are you cheating?" And you just kind of looking at her like, 
Yeah, well, yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> you may not have done nothing ever, but you still gonna look at it like exactly, exactly. Mm. You know, I mean, you know, you know, you know what's great when when your wife will bring up speculation about something about some woman that you all encountered ten or fifteen years ago. You know, you you know you winning. You know you winning, Doc. <laughs> There's, there's a reason why who got the hammer on this. <laughs> when you when you when you get some random you know connection via Facebook or or something with some chick you went to college with or whatever, and she's and and this is somebody you hardly remember what they look like. You know you win it. You know you win. It. But but you gotta oh. keep. It is like I said, it's not a clean business. Not over time. You can't. They get to. They get bored. Doc, mm-hmm. they get bored. Mm-hmm. They get bored. They get distracted. Mm-hmm. Um, you, it's a game. I mean, I know in this environment, there's lots of talk about game and and lots of uh, varying opinions of it. And and mm-hmm. I, I'm critical of a, of a lot of, of of it. But but to some degree, you do have to keep a woman off balance in order to maintain some degree of sexual tension. You know, I, I guess that's how I would sum it up. And I think, unfortunately for men like yourself who are so disciplined and and so probably have had to live and behave in a very sort of controlled and very predictable life, you know, they, they get, com- you know, they get comfortable with that. And they, and they don't, they don't have that sense of urgency. They, oh, they lose that sense of urgency. You have to you have to maintain it. So you take the slow route home from work. You're like, Where you exactly, at? exactly. Yeah. And and you know, and when she asks about it, you know, you say, "Don't worry about it. Nothing." <laughs> you know, you don't, you don't even give. And again, it, you don't have to be. You don't have to be doing anything, right? You know, I mean, I know we're talking about a serious subject, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to give the impression that that the mechanics of it are important because they are, I mean, especially with an older woman, the mechanics of it are important, but her motivation to address the mechanics is a different issue because it's one thing for a woman to begin to, for whatever reason, lose her physiological um, or her, her, her physiology change. But what is her motivation to address the change? You know, is she, is she so vested still in continuing to win you over that she's going to do whatever she can to recapture that relationship? Or is she going to use that as justification for uh, severing altogether your intimate life? That's the issue, not what her physiological issues or uh, metabolical metabolic issues are. It's her motivation to address the issues. That's where your concern will be. Now, let me ask you this, you know, because you you sound like you're of a certain age, sir. I'm um, 60. I'm 60 years old. There you go. <laughs> All right. Now, generationally, have you seen this shift? Like when you think about your grandfather and your father to now, like what have you seen in, in the difference in, uh, in how men navigate this? I'm just curious. Well, I, I mean, as far as uh, as far as my own family my 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 parents well, were, were estranged 
maybe I shouldn't do that. Maybe I just mean generationally. When I when you when you think about your grandfather's generation of men and your father's generation, how did they navigate this? If you're aware of that, and how how is it different than today? Do you think? I don't uh, mean- well, I mean, if I were to be honest, uh, I mean, I, there were there, you know, men that I knew were. Several of the men I knew, they had outside interests, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. that appeared to be a, a predominant means of sort of balancing that particular part of their lives. Mm-hmm. Some of them, to the extent having, you know, uh, all you know, secondary, you know, <laughs> family, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know that. I don't recall observing much. Um, I don't recall them that being an issue of difficulty for them because now, again, that could have also been a function of, you know, how obligated the their women felt in terms of maintaining that particular, you know, intimate connection. Because, again, you know, generationally, uh, I would argue that, you know, prior generations, the woman that was more of an obligation for her, yeah. you know, I believe. So yeah. I, I think to the, to the extent of negotiating sex, I think there was less, less of that maybe going on back then. Mm-hmm. But like I say, also, I believe uh, very often those men had sought yeah. outside counsel, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I can definitely see that being the case. Yeah. I mean, I don't know many me- older men who, from what I can see or recall, tolerated sexless marriages, or at least yeah. to the extent that they, you know, we're going to be in a sexless marriage and I'm not going to go and get another woman or whatever. I, I don't, I'm not aware of any senior men who, who tolerated that particular kind of situation. I think that's fairly new, <laughs> you know, where men feel some obligation to, to not have sex to to retain some relationships or marriage or whatever and do so as a monk. That mm. that's a new phenomenon. Yeah. That I, you know, as far as I'm concerned. You're seeing that more with recent generations. And this is exactly that happened really, you know, in the latter third of the 20th century, where, you know, the shift in what was expected of men as not only husbands, but as fathers. And when, there's this idea about men needing to be more emotionally present. You know what I mean? These kind of things. We talked about this when I when um when I I did a piece on fences, and you know one of the things that the, the son asks in fences is why don't you like me to his father? And his father's like, man, I don't gotta like you, I gotta feed you. You know, but but there was a different set of expectations on men. You know, the earlier part, uh, pre, you know, previous before the 1950s, really, where it was really about providing, and, exactly. And protecting and then this idea in the 70s and 80s and onward where men had to be emotionally present in a certain way and there really wasn't a, a, much of a conversation for men on how to do that it was just an expectation and all of a sudden you were measured against this idea that was fairly new and this is one of those areas that we don't talk about you know this idea of being emotionally present when you know in regard to sex or sexlessness in a relationship and what you're supposed to do. And when I looked this up in the articles I found, <clears throat> I'll, I'll share one section with you. There's one section where it said, you know, it was talking about men being emotionally supportive, right? And it says, when it comes to sex, 
Be aware that her body is changing. Along with it, her body, confidence, sex drive, and sexual pleasure may change as well. Be willing to talk about these things respectfully and find ways to approach them as a couple. Yeah, and see, my view of that is is not that I'm not is not that I'm not uh, empathetic to that, and mm-hmm. and not that I would not to some degree embrace that, but I'm not going to starve as a result of all of that. Yeah, so and you're going to understand that I'm not going to starve as mm-hmm. a result of all of that. So, uh, whatever we got to do, that's fine. But let's do so under the premise that I'm not going to be subservient to whatever comes from that. And I'm not going to be subservient to what you and or your count, your the counselor or whatever believe should come of that. Mm -hmm. Because, like I say, my own sexual desire and needs and whatever operate separate from that. Yes. You can either account uh, you can either account for that and we can make that work. It's right. aligned together, right? Or some alternative uh, course will be taken. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you can you can either approve of that alternative course. <laughs> I love the way he put that. I'm sorry. I love the way he said that. <laughs> or some alternative course. Look, let me tell you, Doc. The life is too short for the right. average black man to not get laid. I'm just going to put it like that. It's just too, it's too short for us. It's too short for us. You know, some things we should, some things we should tolerate. Some things we should bear. And, 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 and we almost always do. We almost always tolerate and bear things that most people cannot tolerate and bear. And very often we do so hardly without even thought of any compensation or, uh, Often, many times, without even thank you, mm-hmm. but 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 there should be some things that are sacred to and for us, mm-hmm. and 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 God help the 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 black man, particularly the productive yeah. black man, the mm-hmm. the honorable black man, the the supportive, protective black man, yeah, to to be that kind of man, and then on top of that, to be starved of of sexual desire and pleasure. Yeah. That that's a that's a level of burden that that no black man I believe should be made to endure to endure over any significant time period. Oh man, beautifully stated. Now I don't want you to go anywhere, uh, but I want to welcome Brother BGS up here. What's up, man? Hey, what's going on, Doc? Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I'm gonna tell you, man. Because uh, 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 when I was engaged, and this is. Like God, it's got to be thirty. Yeah, it's got to be over thirty years ago, right? Beautiful yeah. woman. That's the one that looked like Pam Greer. You know, okay. Um, okay. Good Lord. And uh, <laughs> that's what I see. That's what I picture. But um, but uh, but the thing is, is that you know, we we were engaged and we we're living together. And about three months in, um, she wanted to uh, she wanted to cut down sex, right? Mm. And uh, she kept kept complaining about it. I said, okay, you know what? You know, you know, she wanted to cut down to once a week, and I, here I am, twenty-seven years old, right? And uh, <laughs> she wanted to cut it down to once a week. 
And I said, okay, I said, I said, we can negotiate. And she, she said, what? I said, I said, you know what? I said, the average sex, the average couples have sex three times a week. If you can't do that, skip it. You, you can have that once a week. Now go find another person to have sex with. Yeah. It's up to you. Take it or leave it. Now, because, 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 you know, at the end of the day, there's only one, two, one or two things. Uh, in, in fact, uh, I wish I, I, I'll find this cut right. Um, where this where this woman was actually on one of uh, one of you know in real life one of one of our one of my shows you know in in Los Angeles right radio programs and she said she said what her what her stepfather told her she says there's only two ways a woman can pay a man right mm-hmm. what's between her legs and what's between her wallet and she said choose one and be consistent so if a woman wants to have a sexless relationship with me she needs to open up that wallet what? oh. I All do right. mean open up that wallet. That means you're paying for the relationship. <laughs> so if you're willing, if you're willing to do that, you're willing to pay for my celibacy. Then we, you know, trust and believe that check is going to be awfully big. Um, then we can talk about it. If not, you know, we can talk about it. Yeah, if, if you're not going to have sex with me, then baby, you're going to have to start paying. Then I because it's going to cost me to go out and find another partner. Ooh. Well, y'all that's know what I, that's what I told her. But you know, well, you know, I that, am man. that last part. I really like. <laughs> Cause, really, cause I mean, you gonna, you gonna pay for me to get another woman? <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because <laughs> there's one thing, you know, it's you know, and like me and Uru grew up in a time where we didn't play that stuff because our fathers didn't play that stuff, right? No. no. If you don't want to have sex, okay, that's fine. You know, if, if that's the way it is, if we're in this position where we can't go anywhere, then would then you then you basically signed off on me going someplace else. And then and then I have to find ways to f- fund that. And you're mm-hmm. going to have to help fund that because you're you're basically uh, outsourcing your responsibility to some other woman. And, and guess what? It's got to be funded. So it's coming out of your end. I hear you. Well, let, let's let's welcome the infamous Charles. Oh, not him. Not him. <laughs> <laughs> not that guy. <laughs> not that guy. Let's see what he has to contribute on this. Well, he he doesn't play. He's he's harsher than I am. Man, they, I can make Moose's lead. He say, "Damn." Speak up, Charles. Can you hear me? Yes. I said I can make Mussolini say, "Damn." Mm, uh, well, I'm gonna just tell you. I'm gonna just tell you, like. Yeah. Like, look, sexless relationships. What are those? <laughs> Once again, if you're my friend, you're paying for something to eat. You're paying for gas. Uh, uh-uh. uh. What's the old saying? Gas money or ass honey? Mm-mm. Oh, no, it was gas, grass, or ass. Nobody rides. You rides for free. For free. <laughs> <laughs> well, yep. what the new saying is that gas money or ass honey. Mm. Sorry, sexless mm. relationships. You know, I, I'm, I'm sorry. It's like I went out with a female friend, never had sex with her. You know what she did? She bought drinks. Mm-hmm. Sorry, stop, yeah. si- stop sipping for free. <laughs> in, in, in other words, the trade the trade is supposed to be your time, your time and attention. For mm-hmm. sex, okay. Mm-hmm. If it's your time and attention, and sometimes, sometimes you're even sponsoring it for sex, right? If um, if it's, if there's no sex involved, and you're a buddy, then then you know I I don't have to listen to you, uh, uh when you when you're having a bad day, I don't have oh. to have that kind of relationship with you because we don't have that kind of relationship. 
Oh, yes. Women already know. Like, female friends already know. My time is premium like liquor. Mm-mm. <laughs> top shelf, baby. Top shelf. Now, uh, one of the uh, uh, so I got a question because it seems to me like one of the major generational shifts in how men navigated this was, um, you know, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, uh, no fault divorce and the shift in family court policy. Like, where you're talking about women being able to mm-hmm. devastate you in court, did that have an impact multi over generations as far as you guys? Because all three of you, well, especially BGS and Uru, I would say, mm-hmm. got. You guys are over 60. Did you see that as one of the major shifts, the impact that women could all of a sudden have in regard to family court? Did that have anything to do with the kind of entitlement around arbitrarily, you know, making decisions that impacted me? It, it, it did. It, it, it didn't really have an impact in the 70s, 80s, but it did in the 90s when they increased child support. Mm-hmm. Then, yeah. and then when that's when guys really, uh, it really started devastating guys. And I think it's, it's, it's less about uh, the laws changing in, in no fault divorce. I think it's about the socialization, you mm-hmm. know, since 1972, where they, what they taught, you know, generation X and, and millennials to accept this kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Because uh, uh, I grew up in a time in, 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 in uh, uh, Uru's from Chicago. So he knows what I'm talking about. I grew up in a time when I grew up on Lou Raw said, I'd rather drink muddy water and sleep in hollow law. Okay. And, and back in my day, man, uh, you know, boomers would rather sleep in a in the car mm-hmm. than put up with with a with an unreasonable deal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's I how that's how that's how strict we were. You know, I in other words, if I, if I if I you know if if I can't have it the way I want, I have to if I have to pay for something that I'm not getting a good deal out of, then you know I'd rather have nothing because mm-hmm. I'm not going to be held hostage like that. You know, but they socialize, I think, Generation X and the latter generations to accept this deal. And that that actually sounds like a piece that goes with Uru's statements earlier. Uh, you know, you, you, there's there's almost a kind of um, coldness and and a willingness to accept whatever may come mm-hmm. with the decision you make. And it's kind of mm-hmm. where it is at this point. You know, even if it has to do with uh, potentially losing, you know, whatever it is in a divorce, you almost have to have a coldness about standing your ground. Mainly because there's no other uh, there's no other direction to go with it. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back in the day, if a woman if if a woman if if your woman stopped having sex, it was almost a given that you got somebody else. So mm-hmm. so she she basically ignored it, you know. Mm-hmm. So if you if you're out having an affair, you coming home late and she's not having sex with you, she ignored it. But see, yep. that's the thing, though. The brothers that I'm, I'm I've been hearing from, especially mm-hmm. those who've been married for a long time, right? Right. Their wives have shut down. Okay. If they even look another way, there's mm-hmm. an argument, there's a problem. And it's an okay. kind of situation because, of course, they feel trapped. And it's really, it's not even the fear of divorce that's bothering these brothers in regard to losing half their stuff. It's right. more a fear of what will happen with the kids. So uh, she's uh, willing to go the full uh, route. I'll say yeah. this, good doctor, from my generation. Uh-huh. I hear this from my friends who are married. Mm-hmm. They will. They. I'm not gonna name days, but the BGS knows who. I know. I know who. Yeah. And I and I'm like this. See, I'm I'm cold as an assassin, and people be like this. When a friend of mine told me, "Why not let's be friends?" Um, nothing romantic, no, nothing sexual, no. Then I'm walking out the door. Yeah. Well, I still want to be with you and be. No, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't do the theme song of Golden Girls. Thank you for being a friend. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I don't do that shit. You know, I can't go for that. No, no, no can do. The thing is, the thing is, how much? The thing is, that's what I'm saying. How much? And you can't afford it. 
<laughs> and, I, and, I, and I told her, I said, look, I've been with women who would make you look poor, okay? Mm-hmm. They would wear shoes that most people would not even pay in car notes. Um, I know my worth in the, in the deal. Like, So guess what? I'm retiring at 45, hook, line, or sinker. And I will probably still make more money than you as a retiree. Mm-hmm. So I would, if I were you, just saying, putting it out there, if I were you, I would kiss my ass like the cure to cancer was in it. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm just, and I'm, and I'm a little bit more brash, you know, just slightly, mm. slightly. You, th- but you think? You think? Maybe, maybe there may be, a, <laughs> maybe some truth to that rumor. But it's like I told my homeboy when he's crying about his wife. Mm-hmm. She doesn't do this. She doesn't do that. I said. I mean, she, well, you know, she upgraded me. I said, are you are you afraid to be divorced? No. Are you afraid of child support? No. Because you better not, because I, I, I would take the child anyway. <laughs> but that's what I had to do with my son. Give me your shit. Give me all the clothes I bought. I don't want to hear shit. You can't do what you what I ask you to do. You can't mm-hmm. do what you, your parently duties. Give me my child. Mm. And it's been peaceful ever since. Mm. Well, my parent, both my father and mother taught me to be that be that brash around your children. Because I, I don't care if the God Almighty have a, has got has come between you and your child, mm-hmm. you might lose the battle, but but God's gonna remember that fight. Mm-hmm. So the problem is this: my generation is softer than than, than, than Kleenex, <laughs> the softer than cotton candy when it comes to women. Yes, dear. No, mm-hmm. no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I remember what he said. She's well. She helped upgrade me, Negro, because she afford that damn house by herself where you live. Hell no. Uh-oh. Who pays Uh-oh. the mortgage? I do. Uh-oh. Uh oh. Um, um. First and foremost, what you need to do is tell your goddamn grandmother law stop bringing shit she buys off the internet and put, and put it in your basement like you're in a storage house. Mm. Number two, you need to turn that into your into your gym into your game room. Mm-hmm. Three, your wife's not allowed to go down there. It ain't laundry. Well, well, you know what's her. I said, no, 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 no. It's called putting your goddamn foot down. I said, look. Tell, tell him to stop being the wife. And that's what I told him. I said, no, look. No, no, no. Did you marry bitch. her? Did, 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 <laughs> which one do you think you I said? You to be nice. <laughs> uh, I said, which one, which one do you think I said? So mm-hmm. I told him. I said, look. I, I'm, a, I'm a gentleman. I love giving women flowers, you know, roses and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But don't piss on me and then tell me it's raining with your mm-hmm. attitude. Right, right. right. And, and, and these generational men, they don't understand women. I had to stop a 16-year-old boy in my neighborhood because everybody calls me coach because they hear my wrestlers call me coach. We coach. Let me give you a good example. Coach, my, my girlfriend says she was touched. What? Our, our word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I said, huh, Really? Why is she calling you and not the police? Mm-hmm. And, you know, she's she's one of those um, tribal women, you know. She's mm-hmm. from the Rache tribe. Okay. And she was... <laughs> so I got on the phone. I said, excuse me, sweetheart. I'm in a police officer before you can pee straight in the toilet. So um, let me ask you something. Give me the... Give me the uh, what happens? Mm. I don't care how vulgar. I don't care how... Don't go vague with me. I said, so if you're saying that you woke up and your pants were undone, da 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 da, why do you call the police where they can do all kinds of testing? You don't even know if you have an STD if you're saying this is true. Why don't you let the professionals handle it? 
Well, uh, I said, mm. and then I muted it for a minute. Well, whose house is this from? Uh-oh. Well, th- this is uh, some guy's house. I told her not to go behind. Oh, I said, mm-hmm. I said, how old are you? Sixteen. How old is she? Sixteen. Mm-hmm. Where does she live? Does she live there? No, she live with her grandmother. How long mm-hmm. has she been away at her grandmother's house? About a week or two. I said, first of all, she's a harlot. Mm. I said, second of all, she's about to get you in a fight, and Negroes don't fight anymore. Mm-mm. And last time I checked, if you pull out your hand, as Richard Pryor was saying, all you see is some skin, you don't have no backing, do you? Why are you fighting a battle for a chick who doesn't even want to listen to you? And will lie, sleep with somebody else, and lie, come to find out she was messing with some 18, 19-year-old boy to stay there because grandma might have put her out when grandma went to go visit relatives and say you can't get a key. I said, what 16-year-old girl does not have a key to her house? Now, unless, but go ahead and finish up because I want to bring Morocco to Okay. And, unless she's a wild, wild girl. I said, see, son, if you didn't stop here and get some wise counsel, you would have got your shit and some stuff that you cannot get out of. Right. But go ahead, Malika. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Malika. What's up, man? Which, which, What's up, y'all? What's up, man? What's up, Malika? So as you hey, know, Malika. We're dealing with, uh, you know, men in sexless relationships, including and not limited to uh, menopausal ones. Any thoughts about this, brother? Um, almost gotten to one. Um, but I know a lot of friends, man. Now, me, you, and Charles, we Generation X, man. Mm-hmm. And BGS said, and in, in the immortal words of the late great Patrice O'Neill, we've been bitched and fagged up to 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 deal with this mess. And it's true, we we have been kind of like what BGS said. Remember, you said um, women will love to get our non-sexual attention mm-hmm. and will abuse it if we let it. Yeah, that is a situation when we're talking about sexless marriages, especially coming from. Our generation, BGS's right. generation, and the generation before that, they didn't play with that. Mm-hmm. They they knew how to go out and they were like, oh, ain't nothing go down. Okay. And right. next thing you know, 10, 15, 20 years later, you know, Pops had a family mm-hmm. across town, or you know, yep. why is Miss why is Miss Gladys always hugging up on you? She's always smiling. Oh, that was Pop's mistress for 20 years. But that's 20 years, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. That, but that's that's what we realized. Right. Um right. Right. I'm gonna tell you something. My grandfather, my grandparents were married for 60 years, and there was a time my grandfather and my grandmother was separated. Yeah, and this was like you know they were in the 60s then, and my grandfather had cheated, and I was like in my early 20s. And I didn't know what the heck was going on until I found out like you know they went to counseling. And I had one of them old school grandmas that didn't do it, but she had to go to counseling. And when she realized, you know, my grandfather was gone, she knew her protector wasn't there. And also he was a provider. Mm -hmm. So she had to go to counseling, realizing, and I remember my mom told me what went down because she said, you know, my grandmother, she sat around, she got obese. The same Mm -hmm. thing that what Kevin Samuel says, and and it can happen. and, And she just would not. It would just became a very sexless marriage for years, mm-hmm. years. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
And then I remember when he come, he would come back around because you know how the way it is, the men, men just don't come back in. We slowly come back in, spend the night, come around. But then when my grandfather was coming around, like I noticed that uh, my grandfather would lock the bedroom door. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, they're getting it in. Mm-hmm. But this is was something that you realize what she had to do. Mm-hmm. But realizing one thing that, you know, just like BGS and, you know, Uru said, no, man. We, and it's not just being chauvinistic. Men, we have needs and we have rights too. But you see, we're raised not to think we have that, especially if you're a black man. Mm-hmm. Sex is something that you want. And this is something that, that you got to understand. But women think that because they hold that hand, they think that they have that ace close to the chest that they can throw that down. In. But the problem is, mm-hmm. and you said this a long time ago, BGS, black women do not want to compete. They nope. don't. And especially if you're especially if you're a man who's attractive, who's fit, mm-hmm. who not saying that you got to be high value, but if you're a man of value, and let me tell you something, man, in our community, if you're a man that you have a job, you get around, you got all your teeth in your head, you can walk, you got a working penis, uh, any woman going to want you, Becky going to want you, Maitlin going to want you, I knew going to want you. Mm-hmm. The thing is, black women, even if, it, even if it's a, a, a medical situation, mm-hmm. that's something you got to think about. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose a man. And you gotta understand, like Kevin Samuels said, you're one out of four women that will get married, and you have a man. Mm. What do you think? What makes you think that he's going to stay? Mm. And mm. here's something that, like Charles said, and and I got a quote to lay great Patrice O'Neill. Mm. If you break up with her, mm-hmm. what are you really gonna miss? Mm. Yeah. The headache. Like, like exactly. <laughs> now, here's the funny thing, and I'm not saying yeah. that it shouldn't happen. I'm not saying this to be disrespectful. Mm-hmm. But you got to understand something. If she's denying sex, mm-hmm. if she just if she's denying sex, that she just doesn't want to have sex with you. Okay, you got to figure out: is it me? Is it something? And you talk about it. Let's spice our life up. Whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And if she's just like, eh, she don't want to be with you. Okay, cut your losses and bounce. Mm-hmm. Like you said, no fault divorce. Okay. You go, you go your way, I go my way. Men, we can always get another woman. But if she's holding you hostage for no reason, mm-hmm. and if it's a medical situation and she's and don't expecting care. you to stay. No, don't care. Yeah. Well, and that's that's one of the reasons why, and I'm gonna bring uh I, I don't recognize this person, but I'm bringing them up to the panel. That's one of the reasons I said, you know. You, you, you can negotiate a contract, but part mm-hmm. and parcel to that is a willingness to walk away, a willingness mm-hmm. to accept that this is over. And mm-hmm. so the contract is really the last opportunity for there to be some resolution. But if she's unwilling, now she's putting in effort, mm-hmm. she's getting checked out, she's putting on hormone patches or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. You can work with it. Be said, yeah. She's mm-hmm. just not willing and mm-hmm. she backed you into a corner. Mm-hmm. You know, but we have, uh, I think this is Al D.R. Dilla. Up, man, or whoever this is. Oh, what's going on? Hey, my bad. Hey, what's are you on? there? No, we, we can hear man, you. I was about yeah, to doze off. I'm in the, I'm in the Dominican Republic. You know. Oh, um, black man's paradise. Yeah. Huh? Welcome, welcome. Yeah, yeah so I got a new. I got a chick. I got a chick. You know, uh, a, a foreign chick. 
You know, okay. I'd, I'd rather, I re- honestly, I'm not trying to bash or uh, mm-hmm. I have to take the book from um, uh, uh, Dennis Sperling, Lovely Ladies in America. Um, mm-hmm. Not trying to bash him, but mm-hmm. I think the, I'd rather be with uh, a single mother over here than a single mother in America because Mm-mm. at least okay. over here they'll take care of me. Yeah. Well, they 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 realize they realize what the contract actually is, especially single mothers back in the day used to you know, be like that, that, right? The joy of time and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. she has her place, I have my place, so we start recording right now. You know, dating. It's not, you know, she's gonna move in my house and get married and all that. Just we're just having a good time so far, and that's it. She comes here, clean my house, be at peace. That's it. Not half them do this ninety day rule crap that they got in America. Mm. It's just you know. It, it's, so you so you live there. You're not visiting. You no, know, I live there. I live I live there in and out for four years. I'm sorry. What'd you say? I said I live over this country in and out for four years. Oh, oh in and out. Okay. Okay. All right. Last time I was. Last time I. Uh, I took took the break was uh, last year because like I had to wait till the pandemic clears up and then I came back over here. Okay. Because I just so you- noticed I. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead and finish Sorry. your statement. Yeah, I just have to finish my statement real quick. I know you got a lot of people and stuff. Um, basically, uh, it's a cultural difference, major cultural difference overseas. You know, because mm-hmm. I came back. Like usually, I won't have my shirt on in the Dominican Republic. It's cool, but when I had my, I got out of the shower, and usually I have a towel around me. And then, like some of my family members looked at me weird, and I'm like, man, like being overseas is just—it's like a culture shock. Okay, things that you're used to do, you're not doing, or whatever. And I recommend a lot of brothers that that really want to have a nasdaq have investments i will be considering the the passport okay. you know if we have if there's problem persisting but okay you know, so you're that's I'm, that's all i gotta say okay well so your advice huh? to any man who's really dealing with this is to consider um going other places that's, that sounds like where you what you're saying right yeah i mean yeah there's a lot of it's you'll be more at peace You'll be more at peace. You're willing to do. You're willing to do the steps and the work. You know, instead of investing all your all, not you, but instead of brothers investing into these women and trying to get them to be under their program, and we've been invested in enough. Mm. And if if you want, you got only one life to live. You got to live your life to the fullest. Okay. And what you were saying too, you know. Uh, about you know sisters having ten billion dollars and it's like okay that we're not being valued as 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 black men we're not being valued and as we supposed to whereas you go other places you're gonna be more valued mm-hmm. your your money that you work hard for you it'll be more valuable elsewhere okay so okay that's all I gotta say hey man yeah. I appreciate you coming through man thank you. Hey, hey, Dr. Johnson, 
Uh, yeah. I wanted to go back to something that you asked about before, or you you mentioned that friends of yours, um, one of the issues they have or the dilemma they have when they're in this situation is that their commitment, particular to their children or right. relation, you know, their concern right. about the possible loss of children or custody or access or whatever to their children. Yeah, these are these that, are men, men who, are, who are writing in. But yeah, go ahead. Well, I mean, I believe that's a real issue. Uh, mm. And but but here's the thing. And, and maybe this is a maybe an open question to the to the panel. And that is, you know, is your is your is your sexual desire, your your sexual needs. Is that a part of your your manhood? Is that a part of your your life force? Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And, and if that is true, should you surrender that? Yeah. Even for your children. Yeah. You know that that's the question you every man should every man should be able to answer that question because in this environment in particular, he he will very likely be confronted with that dilemma. I mean, right. in, in many cases, men are going to be put in situations where their children are going to be used as an extortion as an extortion tool against them. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you're going to have to be prepared to decide to what degree you're willing to be extorted, even by way of your own children. Okay. Okay. So yeah. I, I guess to your friends, I would ask the question, you know, how much of your manhood are you willing to surrender? Yeah. And for yeah. how long? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and I think many have been socialized to believe that focusing on themselves to any extent is, is such a selfish endeavor, you know what I mean, that it's inherently a bad thing. And I think that's part of the generational difference we were talking about, um, you know, this belief that, you know, you're supposed to prioritize her, the kids, everybody, you know, regardless of your own needs. But then the question becomes, you know, how long can you live with that? Yeah. And what is your value if, if you're crumbling inside? What ultimately, what is your value to to anyone, to anything? Look, I, I believe sexual desire, sexual conquest, frankly, mm-hmm. I believe is very is inextricably linked to a man's desire and will to succeed mm-hmm. and to produce mm-hmm. and to grow. Exactly. And so if 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 he loses that at some point he's actually ironically going to become less valuable to all of his other obligations including mm-hmm. even those children Uh-oh. so that's okay. the other thing you have to consider as well are you gonna if you're being starved in that way are you gonna eventually become the type of man who is who ironically is less of less valuable as a father to his children than you would otherwise be Okay. How you doing, uh, gentlemen? Doing all right. This is uh, Mr. O. What's going on? What, you, the topic, I do. Uh, I do. Oh. I'm well. I'm well. How y'all gentlemen doing? Um, I'm actually a Facebook friend on uh, uh, Facebook. I'm Roger Connor. I go by Mr. O. So I'm gonna be Okay. Well, the, so the topic is sexless uh, relationships, um, which can be or not be related to menopausal uh, women. What are your thoughts on that? Mr. O? Uh-oh. Can you hear us? We can't hear Mr. you. 
All right, so we got a bad connection. Yeah, got a bad connection. Okay, sorry, man. I'm gonna take you down. We got a bad connection. Um, that's the second time he, he came in. But uh, any thoughts to Uru's statement? Anybody else? Any reflections on it? Um, I agree. You, your, your, your manhood does come in question because, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's it's either or kind of within our Western society, we're either mm-hmm. judged so, especially in the black community, mm-hmm. because we, because we, because remember, um, BGS and um, Dr. Johnson, it was this, you have the buck mentality as black men, you know, we have this, you know, birth of the nation gave this view of us as being these highly sexualized, right, right, crazed right. people. Right. So, and also we've been given this mindset that, you know, it's an all or nothing thing that, you know, balls to the wall, we got to get our, our fuck on and we got to get this. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, there's this control over it. You know, the white man wants to control the white woman, but also a black woman wants to control our sex. You know, Dennis mm-hmm. Berman said black women want control their minds and their bodies as well as their men's. Mm-hmm. So when you get this point where, you know, the whole idea is that you want to have sex with her, but then when you get in a relationship, whether, whether it be in a, a committed marriage or you're just shacking up or whatever it is, she knows that she has that power because women have the power for sex. We have the power for the relationship, but mm-hmm. here's where we drop the ball in. Mm-hmm. We give up not believing that we have the power within the relationship and women are utilizing the sex at the sex as the carrot on the stick. They yeah. know that that's our drive and we like that and they know that. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, is, men period we 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 derive our masculinity and our manhood through our sex and we think that's wrong but that's nothing wrong with it that's the virility that's how the way we 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 give life that's what gives us strength the problem is and just like what black guru said if a woman's denying us to have sex within a relationship, especially if a committed marriage relationship and we have children, she knows she's going to hold those children as pawns that she, and especially if you're a good father, you're a father mm-hmm. that's there, she's going to do that. And you know, don't you care about your kids? Mm-hmm. Don't you want to be here for your children? So right then and there, that gets us trapped because mm-hmm. we don't want to be separate from them. And it's not even the fact of paying child support. It's the fact that we're being separate and we don't want to have this broken home. And especially mm-hmm. if you're a Gen Xer where you grew up seeing nothing but broken homes and single parent families. And that's so that's definitely true, especially when we look at the impact that, that it has on kids, statistically speaking. But I think part of what I'm hearing with what you're saying, Malika, is that uh, in order to really appreciate one's own virility, one mm-hmm. of the things that I think men have to be able to do is is be able to walk away. I mean, something mm-hmm. else. Just, yeah. right? The power of no. The power of no. Yeah. Power of exactly. no. The power mm-hmm. of being able to walk away and accept what comes. Mm-hmm. And, and that's one. And, yeah. and you just said that the, the the biggest thing is that's what the problem with black men. We had those two things. We have not had the comfort of saying no within the relationship, mm-hmm. and also 
not giving a damn and accepting the consequences and dealing with what we have to deal with. Right. Now, but let me put in the context, right? I was specifically talking about, because the men that were reaching out to me were long-term relationship, long-term marriage, and they didn't want to be divorced. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I do understand that that's going to be a different response yeah. than a man who yeah. just had a woman three weeks, three months ago. Yeah. She's yeah. she doesn't want to have sex. Yeah, you, you have to, you know, the thing is, is that uh, who can tell you is, is boomers coming up. OK, um, if we basically you didn't think of just getting into it and dealing with y'all. So, you know, y'all always had that contingency plan. What if? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and what? At what mm-hmm. point? What point? Uh, what point can you take it before you walk away? And basically, uh, we learn from from older generations that uh, um, we always have that card. The card is always there. That uh, if it don't work out, I'm you know like like I said that old song by Lou Rawls, right? I'm, I'd rather drink muddy water, sleep in hollow log. That's that is the level that I'm willing to go to to uh, not be trapped by you. So mm-hmm. if you're willing to take it there, I'm willing to go there. If I have to sleep in my car. You know, so be it. But I'm not going to let you blackmail me like that. But that's well, and that's why I said earlier, Doc. Let me just let me just. That's yeah. the core of, of men's strength is is discipline, and mm-hmm. discipline is fundamentally going without. You mm-hmm. know, what I mean? if you want to be in shape, it means you got to go without comfort. You got to mm-hmm. go without yeah. the food you want. You got to go without laying around. You got to mm-hmm. sacrifice comfort in the name of discipline, and that's the demonstration of masculine strength, mm-hmm. and that includes not being willing to take things in a relationship that are undue. And you can do that. What I like about the way Uru laid it out earlier, you Mm -hmm. can do that. uh, You don't necessarily have to cuss anybody out. Mm -hmm. You don't got to get physical. You don't have to act Mm -hmm. a fool. You just lay it out there and don't blink. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, I love the way he put a lot of what he said. He just lay it out there. This Mm -hmm. is going to be the the response to Mm -hmm. what yeah, it's like I gave my fiance. Okay, he to yeah. negotiate, but if it's like I told her, she 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 said up there, well, trying to trying to cry. I said three times a week, or you can keep it. <laughs> <laughs> and you you got to manage it mm-hmm. though in a proactive way. And mm-hmm. I, I think unfortunately, uh, you know, it's it's like it becomes like a noose around your throat that mm-hmm. you know she you allow her to pull tighter and tighter and tighter mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. When you should have been taking unloosing that damn noose from around your neck, right. you know, years ago, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, they don't typically go from, you know, uh, you know, eight times a week to no sex. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's mm-hmm. usually much more gradual than that. It's usually mm-hmm. things being taken away slowly and slowly mm-hmm. and slowly. And that's why I said earlier, you you have, to, I believe, to some degree, you have to keep any woman you're with in. Yeah to some degree in a state of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. You right. have to maintain that. You have to remind her that I think Malika was saying earlier, you know, you if you you don't have to necessarily be high value, but if you're a productive man, if you you w- maintain yourself well and whatever, mm-hmm. you can get another woman. Mm-hmm. You know, and you probably can get one who in a in certain circumstances appear to look better or maybe younger or whatever mm-hmm. than the one you're with. And, but it's incumbent upon you to, to with some regularity mm-hmm. remind that woman of that, mm-hmm. you know, I'll be the guy at the, at the house party, uh, dancing with the young one. <laughs> I'm that guy. Mm-hmm. I'm that guy. I'm, I'm going to do that. 
-hmm. and I'm still a pretty decent dancer. There you go. So it looks pretty good when you're dancing with the 30-year-old chicks and, and your wife and the older move? woman are yeah. seeing the young chicks enjoying yeah. dancing with you. You, you, that's, you, you know, how, that's how you fight that fight. You, 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 all you have to do is get a bunch of bodybuilding magazines and, and put them on, put them on the, uh, put them, put, put on the set, and, 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 and then hit the, and start hitting the gym four times a week. Okay? Mm -hmm. She'll come around. Yeah, mm -hmm. she'll come around. Mm -hmm. because, well, because you know you're preparing. She said, "Oh, he's preparing. He's trying to get himself in shape because he's ready to leave." It's not yeah. a clean game. It's yeah, not it's a not nice game. No, it's not. <laughs> No, it's it's not. not supposed to be a clean game. No, it yeah. is. And, and, but you know what the funny thing is? And, and you know what? Um, I had to learn this the hard way. Um, but Angry Man said this a couple of nights ago, and Patrice O'Neill has said this. And I, I, I don't know why I'm invoking Patrice O'Neill, but it just hit me in the head. You know, your friend um, that you were talking to, um, Dr. Johnson, you having guys that are way, way more into the woman than the woman's into them. Mm. Which, That's one that, which can switch over decades real quick too. Mm. Go yes, ahead. go ahead. And the thing is, not saying don't be into your woman, but here's the problem: when you're into her and you're pedestalizing her, and she knows that, and mm -hmm. you know that, you know. And especially when it comes to intimacy and sex, it's like, oh, yeah, I, I'm one of the best chicks he ever had. Or mm -hmm. whatever she does to you, you into it. Like, I'll give you a perfect example. Lars Pippen. You know, mm -hmm. Scotty Pippen's ex-wife or whatever she is. Mm -hmm. She played him like a fiddle because she knew. Well, first of all, she's younger. And ain't no other women knocking down his door and he don't have anybody like that. And she could do whatever she wants and he'll accept me back. Mm -hmm. That's the problem and the issue where you realize you're too much into the chick and you don't have that self-esteem. Mm -hmm. And that's why she can shut off the flow of sex to you. And the thing is, if you sit there and you're so incumbent upon her sexual attention and just her attention to be your form of gratitude that's mm -hmm. where you lose it mm -hmm. and that's where even if it's not even a a, a health issue mm -hmm. if it's just her realizing that you're so into her and she just wants to she knows that okay i can do whatever it is i want and the thing is she might not be even cheating on you mm -hmm. if she just realizes that she can control you Mm -hmm. And she can control and manipulate you when you have no self-esteem. And mm -hmm. also becomes kind of like a narcissistic ploy with that. That's the problem with the guy. Like you said, when you were talking to your friend, Dr. T, you know, and, you know, is it something physical? Oh, I didn't know that. Do you know, do you realize, do you care about his, his feelings that it's like, you know, not expecting? She's like, no, not really. Right then and there, that's the selfish part. Right mm -hmm. then and there. See, you're more tact tactful than me, man. I would have lit into her. I would have said, you know, you're being a selfish bitch. You are. And I, I would have said it nice. I said, but you're being a selfish bitch. I said, flip the script. If that was him, if he denied having sex with you, mm -hmm. you will call him all kinds of names except for a child of God. 
-hmm. You're saying he's being disrespectful. He's cheating on you. He shouldn't deny you. He should do this by right to this, to this, to this, this. But when you flip the script on you, because you control the access to sex, Mm -hmm. you think you have the golden Willy Wonka ticket. Mm -hmm. No, it, it, the thing is, I, and the men, and like what Black Aru said, it's about men having powers. And not trying to control is the realizing, okay, exercising the option of leaving or exercising the option of setting up some type of contract. Mm-hmm. Okay, here's the idea. Um, oh, you you know, we ain't been having sex for a while. Oh, I'm going through, okay, when you gonna go through this? Because, you know... When I come from the gym Friday, you know, my endorphins are kind of high, man. And I wasn't getting that ass. So what's up? And, you know, we got to figure out like, well, I want to have it like, you know, two, three times out of out of the week. Mm-hmm. You know, what's going on with that? You know, is that fair for you? Let's talk. I mean, but and, and the thing is, if it's if she's hemming and hawing and all this other stuff, I'm like, OK, mm-hmm. then we need to start thinking about some other stuff. And what do you mean some other stuff? I'm like, well somebody need to maybe take in your place or whatever mm-hmm. you know yeah. are we thinking and you and here's the thing it's not just doing it you got to see how the way she's going to react to it see, mm-hmm. see that's see that's the difference malika back in the day in the boomers we didn't even discuss it exactly no we didn't even discuss it. we didn't discuss it okay you're not having sex so we talk about it okay if we really care about it we I take her to the doctor to have counseling. Okay, if that did not resolve, we just don't say anything, right? Mm-hmm. Because everybody knows what's happening next. So if you uh-huh. if you get caught, you don't be surprised. They'll say, "Well, I caught you cheating." Well, why are you surprised? Exactly. Yeah, when, you, what you, you gonna, knew what, what your, your job now? was. Yeah. You knew what your job was. <laughs> yeah, they're, not, they're not stupid. They, yeah, they played. You, yeah, they played. So it's like any other job. Yeah. If you're not going to do your job, I'm going to go get hire yeah. somebody else to do your job. Yeah. And that's yeah, just the same with them. Like yeah, if but, we not because, if we're not providing. Mm-hmm. If we're not providing for them, if we're not pleasing them sexually, and they go turn around and have sex with a jo- sex yeah. with another guy, or they move up the hypergamy ladder, we stand there with that looking face. Well, what happened? She's like, "Well, you knew your job. Yeah, you know, yeah. you read you read the contract in the beginning. You went to the seminar. You know what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know you got you 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 had your paper with your W two form. You had your um you had your employee handbook." You know, you've been through everything. You signed on the contract is here. So mm-hmm. that's the thing that we that, that that's understandable. But the problem is women like to move the goalposts and rewrite the contract in the ninth inning. Mm-hmm. They, what, they, they can. What thing they can break the contract. The thing mm-hmm. is, is, is the guy on the other end willing to uphold it and keep doing what he's been doing? Right. If, you know, if, if that's the right. hill that you want to die on, that's up to you. Right. Because, yeah, because like I said, after after a couple of weeks, it's like, OK, what's happening here? Well, I don't feel like I don't like I don't give a damn what you feel like. <laughs> exactly. And that's what we back at it in the under boomers. We didn't care, we don't care what you feel like. If we're in a relationship, either we're gonna have sex or not. If you're not gonna have sex, then I need a replacement. Mm. You gotta be but most guys, well, you know, I want to understand her feelings. Fuck her feelings. We fuck her feelings. Yeah. Well, uh, fellas, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm, I'm going to ask you guys for final thoughts because I want to close okay. around two hours. So please be succinct. But give okay. final thoughts on the topic, and, and we'll go. Uh, we'll go in. We'll go in reverse order from people who came in. So we'll start with Malika, and go to Charles and BGS, and then Uru. Um, brothers need to still have power and exercise their options. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying if your woman ain't having sex with you, leave her right away. No, 
Uh-huh. Understand your place and understand that you have power and understand a relationship is a reciprocal mm-hmm. collaboration. Mm-hmm. And if she's denying you something that you have a right to have in a relationship, mm-hmm. you have a right to exercise other options. That's it. Yeah. Much appreciation, brother. Thank you. Uh, officer, any thoughts? Any final uh, succinct thoughts? Get your mind right, get your body right, get your soul right. Stop treating yourself like you are the cause and damnation of a relationship. You are a human being who has feelings, needs, wants, hopes, and dreams as well. Mm -hmm. If they Mm -hmm. can't get with it, then get out of it. Woo! Yes, sir. Much appreciation. Uh, brother BGS, <laughs> I remember this man. So <laughs> we just tell a girl, man, she talked about not having sex and, and how, how tired she was. And, and I told her straight up, I said, Baby, all you gotta do is pull off them panties and open your legs. Shut up. Okay. <laughs> Guess what she did? You she did it and it. enjoyed it. <laughs> so, but, it, but you have to be like that, man. The thing is, I think a lot of guys are well, the thing is, they socialize a lot of Generation X to be more and compliant, yep. yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah, and it's gotten, I think it's gotten even more intense of uh, each you know newer generation. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Uru. <laughs> yeah, I, I really appreciate the BGS story. <laughs> you know, because you know, look in the end. Well, first of all, you know, there's there's a lot of focus on the sexual entertainment of women, which mm-hmm. I also think is part of the problem, frankly. But mm-hmm. maybe that's the con conversation for another day uh <laughs> i i'll just i'll just end it with this life is too damn short mm. for the average black man not to get laid and i'll end it with that all right all right well let me let me see let me get this in here i want to close it out um so i'm gonna bring you guys down i appreciate y'all coming up um let me see let me get this here i'm gonna Get to our closing. So I thank everybody who came up. Um, oh, there we go. And uh, really, at the end of the day, what what I wanted to do with tonight's broadcast is I was hoping for instead of me coming up with a list of things that I'm saying these are the only solutions, I wanted to hear brothers exchange from their own experience. And 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 it happened much the way I was looking for. You know, multi generational. You know, brothers who are coming from different walks, different experiences offering solutions you know what i mean but i think what we can say we kind of all shared an agreement with is you know you have to take stock as a man in your own situation you have to be able to take your own power and you really have to be willing to go without if need be to assert yourself and your needs because they are validated they are important and don't let anybody you know suggest otherwise because i know there are plenty of brothers that are suffering suffering in silence and have been doing so for decades. And, and that needs to stop. You know what I mean? That really does need to stop. So that said, I uh, appreciate y'all coming. Let me uh, get to our closing. Y'all know how we do. Um, I'm not going to have a, an office hours tonight because I got to do some, some uh, tech work and rebuild some things and I'm going to add in a new system. But I do want to at least extend this uh to my brothers let me get this damn thing off the screen i keep forgetting this label uh keeps messing with it but anyway there we go so y'all know the deal 
brothers be reminded that we are not criminals by birth, perennial rapists, incapable intellects, man children, sperm donors, uh, child support wellsprings, success objects, walking phalluses, ATM machines, lottery tickets, brainless henchmen, valueless assassins, pro bono mercenaries, unpaid bodyguards, interchangeable stepfathers, child-disciplined proxies, unpaid repairmen, workhorses, emotional tampons, or any other socially accepted dehumanizing stereotype. We are thinkers, inventors, innovators, leaders, fathers, warriors, and men. Embrace your humanity, know your worth, and extend your time, attention, and resources only to those who genuinely respect you. And remember, your worth is not defined by meeting other people's narcissistic, selfish, and unrealistic needs. You define your worth. All right? Peace.